If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Welcome, friends. It is Podcast Unlocked, episode 497, creeping ever closer to the big five zero zero. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, and I'm joined, as always, by Miranda Sanchez. Hi, hello. Welcome, everyone. And Destin Legary with a sleeping baby at home. So what kind of band are we going to get, Destin? Bam! Hey, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well played, sir. Well played. Uh, it is Unlocked 497 for June 1st. I can't believe it's June already, uh, but here we are, which means E3 is coming up in just, what, a week and a half's time. So looking forward to whatever that is going to be. Just a reminder, watch all of it. We are one of the official broadcast partners or the official whatever it is. Anyway, we'll have it all is the point. YouTube.com slash IGN, IGN.com, Twitch.tv slash IGN. All of our usual places are where you can watch everything going on with E3. A reminder, subscribe to Unlocked on our new YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash IGN Games. And Send me your loot box video questions so that you can be featured on Unlocked. Post it on Twitter. Just uh, post a video of yourself asking the question and tag me on it. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. I was happy to get a couple of submissions for that today. Got one lined up for later in the show. So let's get right to it. Uh, last week, th so the E3-ness is already getting started. Miranda Destin, uh, we had a couple of big gameplay reveals last week. Let's start with Far Cry 6, that very handsome gentleman over my shoulder over there. It's a much better looking guy just looming behind me. Than, uh, maybe, maybe I should have picked a different screenshot. But <laughs> <laughs> Giancarlo Esposito, the fantastic actor, uh, leading the way on the villain side in Far Cry 6. So uh, I, this game seems to be about, obviously, it's, it's sort of a Cuban insurrection uh, situation with, and then the... the Point of your resistance is you're going to be hacking together all these crazy vehicles and weapons. Uh, Destin, what did you think of of the gameplay you saw and some of those wild weapons that they've got going on? 
I mean, yeah, I like the the disc shooter that shoots uh, the Macarena song. That was one that was going around, making the rounds, so to speak. But man, this game looks really, really gorgeous. I really like everything they've done with the lighting. I think all the characters look great. All the animals look great. And I'm just really excited to to play it and get to those vistas. Like one of my favorite things about the Far Cry games is just sort of like enjoying the environment and of course killing the bad guys. <laughs> but uh, man, it's 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 very, very pretty. Yeah, Miranda, how about you? I like the homebrew weaponry, which we're going to look at right now if you're watching the video and if you're listening. Well, that's what we're looking at right now. Um, and I think that's the biggest part for me. Um, the Far Cry games haven't really been my style of gaming, but um, I can appre- certainly appreciate like different things that they try with each iteration. And I know like just making your own weapons is a big deal. And I think in this one, just the look of them is really neat. It's just like, oh, this was a motorcycle engine. And then, of course, as Dustin said... Uh, the Macarena killing machine is priceless. <laughs> yeah, you know, you do you need good weapons. Any good shooter, any good action game, you've got to have some weapons that are fun to use. And and they're certainly they're giving it their creative all in this one. Yeah, that the, definitely the standout. I guess it's we're just gonna call it the Macarena gun. I don't know. Maybe it's the disc launcher. But yes, yeah. as Destin alluded to, it's it is a hacked together uh Sort of a, a, a CD burner. When uh, what I like, yeah. my favorite little touch about it is that it, it's actually shooting like CDs that have burned copies of the Macarena on it because it's it says CDR on the top of it, which to probably to a lot of our teenage listeners or viewers right now, they're like, "What do you mean? What's a CDR?" <laughs> but back there was a window of time where you could actually make your own CDs before everything went completely digital, and we loved it so. Yeah, you, everybody had a CD burner for a while there, and this uh, this game picks up on that. But yeah, I I'm sort of curious how this is going to actually play. I, the I, map looks massive. Yeah, and and I don't know if I mean that can be a good or a bad thing, right? Like there have definitely been games I've played where it's just like there's just too much. It's just too much to roam around. Um, but gamers want they want bigger games with more to do in them. I've had a weird relationship with Far Cry over the years. I played half of the original, which is so far gone at this point. I don't even know if anybody remembers it. Um, but then I kind of, I kind of bailed halfway through that. Far Cry Two, which is which is unlocked uh, alumni member Mitch Dyer's favorite far, one of his favorite games period of all time. Shout out to Mitch. He loves Far Cry Two, which totally took it in a different direction. And I kind of, I played again like some of that. And I liked it, but it wasn't three was the one that completely clicked for me. I loved it to death. Uh, I remember again, Mitch pitching the entire IGN team. Like, this is why you guys have to all play this game. And he actually gave a presentation in a a meeting about it. (laughs) And I, uh, and I took him up on it and it's great. I played the entire thing. I loved Voss. I loved the, the choice. You had a couple different endings you could choose from. It was really fun, and just the the world was fun to play around with, all the outposts that you could take over. And I don't know, something from there, 4 didn't just didn't do it for me. It just felt like kind of a clone. Primal, for some reason, I, I played two hours of that at a preview event, and it just didn't really connect with me. Even 5, uh, just, I don't know, I, I can't even explain why. It's not that it's a bad game, it's an excellent game. It just didn't click for me, so... I'm kind of curious here uh, where, you know, what six is going to do besides these crazy weapons and, and uh, vehicles. But 
No, Destin, what's uh, how do you are, do you like to go stealthy in Far Cry games or just go out go totally nuts with weapons? Yeah, so I usually start stealth, and if that if it doesn't go well, then I'm just like, all right, whatever, I'm just gonna kill everybody. <laughs> Far Cry does a good job of uh, powering you up pretty quickly, so you can usually get out of those situations. But yeah, I like to start stealth and then you know, kind of go crazy. Uh, this game, I think I'm probably going to be hooked on. Far Cry 5 came out at a really good window, for example, where there wasn't really too much competing with it. So I just played that for like a week or two, and I really, really liked it. And then back in Far Cry 3 days, um, the one you were talking about, where it was one of their first open world ones, you can upgrade your pouch and things like that, you know, light RPG mechanics. Um, I really enjoyed that one, but what I did was I would go liberate all the bases, and then I feel like I've completed the game because, oh, all the civilians are safe. So I did it. I made their world better, <laughs> and uh, I, I felt good about that. And then, uh, yeah, Far Cry 5, I think, with the, the evil leader definitely pushed me through the story in a way that I think uh, Far Cry, this Far Cry is also going to do. Yeah, they've. it does feel like... Miranda, I'm curious what your history with this series is, but it does almost feel like ever since Voss in Far Cry 3, they've kind of been chasing that same thing and never quite got there. So this time they hired Giancarlo Esposito, where, <laughs> like, well, that's that's probably going to do it. Yeah, so my history with this is mostly just watching people play. Like, I haven't actually taken to playing myself. Um, as I've said many times on the show, Ubisoft games are usually not for me. Um, I just don't necessarily love how they do open world, and sometimes I think there are some definitely gems in the side quests they have, and I think Assassin's Creed has definitely gotten better over time with that. Um, but whenever I see a jam-packed world, and I think Ubisoft is maybe the biggest offender of this, it's just stuff. It's just stuffed with things to do for the sake of things to do, and a lot of them don't end up feeling meaningful. Um, and as a guide writer, I have a tendency to like, let me do all the things. And then when those things just feel like they're wasting my time and not adding to the enjoyment of the game, it gets really exhausting for me. And so sometimes I just look at these games, it's like, oh, I, I could maybe try this out at some point. Maybe I'll put one of these on my backlog. Um, like, you know, the best of Far Cry, essentially. But um, I think having a famous, like, lead villain usually does a lot for a game or can do a lot for a game just as far as, like, the recognition goes and, like, performance potentially. That's not to say that every, uh, I guess, like bigger actor performance we've seen is necessarily even good. Um, it also depends on how they write the character and the character's role in the game. But um, it's definitely a selling point. Yeah, Miranda, I don't want to put you on the spot necessarily, but uh, yeah. I, I actually I agree with you with regard to. I think it's not just Ubisoft. Uh, I mean, oh no, I, definitely I not. Certainly respect your opinion that they. I mean, it's like baked into the brand with them at this point <laughs> for for the most part. I mean, you know, they still have stuff like Rainbow Six Siege. You know, it's not all just open world stuff kind of games. Absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, like I don't, I certainly don't disagree. Can, are do any examples come to mind for you of game of open world games that have that have walked that line well and have had either memorable side missions or just somehow handled it really well? Um, I mean, going onto like Nintendo platform, I'm just thinking about Breath of the Wild, like there's you can build whole towns like there's just so much there and that's i think they walk that really good balance of there's a lot you can do you can go anywhere immediately just just go wherever your heart desires you may not want to go there but you can and i think they just do such a great job of making each of their places meaningful um I, of course i think whenever you have an open world there's gonna be some fluff here and there 
And that's fine, it's expected. It's just, I don't want a whole section of things being fluffed. So I actually think a lot of Tomb Raider as well, because some of that stuff, it's like, oh, there's these really meaningful side tombs you can do. It's like cool things. But then there's a whole checklist of items to just collect for the sake of picking them up and not necessarily because they do anything for you or like there's nothing written about them. It's just like, well, that was a thing that looked kind of cool, I guess. Um, and, and that's kind of what I worry about. But uh, yeah, Breath of the Wild is the first one that comes to mind. And probably just because I, I've been like watching my sister play it a bunch lately. And it's just every time I think about that, there's just such a fondness to that world. And I think that's what I look for a lot of times too, right? Like you want that fondness of a place. And I think you can really build that through those side missions and side just activities that you can do. And they, again, don't all need to have some grand deep storyline it's just that they need to not feel like they're trying to waste my time or just trying to keep me like hostage in this world you know what i mean it's like i want to be able to go explore it and find cool things and again not to say that ubisoft can't do that or that they don't do that with some of their games it's just that more often than not it feels like it's a little bit too much um but again we haven't played this game we don't know what all it offers i just see a big world and i'm like okay given your past history like what can you offer here and usually i just sort of wait for friends to tell me what they like um, about a game before I, I dive in if I'm not playing it for work um, or sometimes I'll just hop in myself and just play a little bit for work I mean obviously for game of the year stuff I think a lot of us do try to play the biggest and best games regardless of um, how large it is but you know I try to get some time with it boy I'm so glad you you I hadn't thought about the side quest the tombs the puzzle tombs and in, in rise of the tomb raider in so long thank you for <laughs> bringing that back because that is that's 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 a great example of uh, yeah. of something that handled it really really well. Even as you know, outside of the just collectathon stuff that oh, that game also right. has that you mentioned. But yeah, and it's it's a mix, and I think it's better when you do have that mix. But I also sort of just feel it's weird to say. I maybe I feel a little bad for the developers. It's like okay, cool, make all your meaningful stuff, but then also just shove these in here. Like just, <laughs> just put them in somewhere. Like we'll we'll create these lists, more things to do. And I'm not too sure why they do that. And that's actually something I'd really like to dig into. It's like how do they design collectibles? Like, what's the purpose of those? And I think definitely some games do it better than others. Oh, um, Control. Control has incredible collectibles. Like, they're so fun to hunt down and to read, and they give you such context, context for that world. And I feel like you're really missing something if you don't read them. However, it's not, like, critical for you to go into those. So those are my favorite kinds of, like, side things, and I like the side stuff in Control as well, but it's a lot of a smaller game compared to something like a Far Cry. I think the cynic I mean the cynical a cynical response to your hypothetical question that you proposed would be that there that stuff is put in there as you said you did say to keep people playing longer to basically give the team more time to put out DLC that, to try and get those same people to pay for it right I mean that's right. that's that's a, it's not I'm saying it's the only answer or the, even the correct answer but it's a possible cynical answer to right. the question that we can't put past publishers these days. Destin, do you want to weigh in on this? Are you, uh, are you kind of, where are you with like open world games and, and the, the, the balance between the monotony and, and making engaging secondary content? Yeah. Don't do the boring stuff. I mean, like, <laughs> like, uh, just, just skip it. Just mainline the campaign. If, if that's all you're into, uh, you have to be willing to just, you know, say, okay, I, I get what they're doing with these mission types. I don't really like them and just stop doing them. Uh, and usually if I want to get like a secret weapon or something like that, I'll revisit, revisit those later and try and just do them all at once. So you're kind of like well-versed in whatever that mechanic is trying to teach you, or I just don't do them. Uh, 
talking about Far Cry specifically, though, one of the things with five that I hope they addressed, I hope that there aren't any more of those random attacks. Like you'll just be driving down the street and you'll constantly be attacked. And I was like, okay, come on. Like, I just want to go to the yeah. mission, you know? So you get out, you just annihilate the people messing with you. And then you go to your mission. It was more of an annoyance than a challenge, you know? And I, and I hope uh, that's been addressed for this one. I'm really excited about this. Uh, one thing that I keep laughing at though, is when it's like, she has a gun out, held it in the air and they're like, put your gun away to remain inconspicuous. The car's like looking right at her. And she's like, oh yeah. And she has this backpack with like rocket launchers that shoot out of just, it. Just a glare no. in the window. It's fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I, it's I just one of those immersion breaking moments that are just comedic more than anything. Right. And to your point too, Dustin, like absolutely. You can just skip the boring stuff. But I guess for yeah. me, just because as being, you know, in charge of the guides team, it's really important for me to like kind of evaluate how collectibles are presented and those side quests and like what are developers doing to like push that part of games forward, especially as, you know, I think open world games are just becoming such a mainstay in what we have for games. And I, I really like to evaluate those critically and see like maybe or hope for people to push those to be better um, and better. So I, I get where you're coming from, for sure, because <laughs> yeah. my brain turns on with those, too. And I'm like, I got to get them all. Like, I will I say do? to bring this back to Xbox real quick. I do adore how Gears did their like pseudo open world area. I think that was just a perfect way to introduce something that's felt like a little bit of exploration, but not too much. It's like just go have fun, but also we're we're keeping you a little boxed in. I, I do like that kind of um openness, and I think we see that a lot with Halo and other games as well. The, the, my the first thing that I think of when I ask my own question there is Sunset Overdrive. I know I we, we we bring that game up a lot, even though it's it's almost seven years old at this point. But that game, the quest, the side quest design, all the everything design was so good that every nothing felt like a trivial just waste of time. Everything you did, they they somehow disguised it or dressed it up to make it really fun and interesting and unique. So I always appreciated that about about Sunset Overdrive. Uh, and then the other big notable thing about besides just this gameplay reveal here of Far Cry 6 is its release date. It will be out October 7th. So this had previously been penciled in for, I mean, it was already supposed to be out for its original timeline, but that's okay. Video games are difficult to make, and especially now in the work from home pandemic era. So now we're at October 7th with this. I doubt that'll slip. I imagine that's probably the final date. You never quite know, but for now, October 7th. And I believe, guys, I think that's the first big fall game to to put a stake in the ground and say this date is ours. I, I there, we're about to talk to about a second one, but yeah, I, I don't think anybody else. Uh, Halo has just said fall, and I mean Call of Duty. You can generally pencil in for that last week of October, but we don't have a. I don't think we have a date on anything else just yet. Not that I'm aware of. But now we do. Yes, as Dying Light 2 uh, followed by we had a, a second release date for the fall mere hours later because these, these gameplay streams both happened last Friday Dying Light 2 is going to be December 7th so you know most years it's pretty rare that we get a major release in December not unheard of it's happened before in fact Far Cry 3 that I was talking lovingly about before that was a December release. But uh, Dying Light 2, December 7th, and they have given it a new, they've reshifted the title. It's now Dying Light 2, Stay Human. 
and it will uh it's it's finally coming because that game was delayed indefinitely a while ago and thankfully they're they're still on it so uh techland the developer of course premiered a new gameplay trailer that showed off the new uh just how the game's looking as long as 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 long geez try that again take two along with a story synopsis players will take control of aiden caldwell which is like the most generic white name i've ever heard ever uh, a survivor trying to piece together his past. Three factions are vying for power over the scraps of civilization. Aiden can work for or against each of these factions to help shape your story. Uh, but at night, all three factions are at the mercy of the zombies. So uh, there's obviously a big day-night cycle going on. There's parkour. A lot of the stuff we saw in the first game that's being iterated on here. Uh, you can go melee, guns, or craft your weapons. And there's a bunch of different NB NPCs. Uh, that you can ally with or turn against as well. So, I you know I took a look at this. I were you were either of you big fans of the first one because that was that was one of the big early generation or last gen big early surprise early gen hit there. And um, yeah, Destin, did you play much of this one? I played a little bit of the original. It does a lot of really cool stuff with uh, parkour and uh, <laughs> uh, combat. Also, just the way you can counter and attack people but i i wouldn't say like i'm a a dying light expert or anything it's just it's a really solid game that involves zombies big zombies again light rpg mechanics <laughs> with uh with the gear and sort of how you can upgrade and such and uh this one also looks great um yeah i you know i rewatched the trailer today i'm like yeah it looks like dying light but my reaction is sort of this is going to be awesome for dying light fans I, I will probably check it out, you know, just because it's in a window where there's hopefully not a ton. And uh, it looks it looks like it's very pretty. But my reaction is, uh, how do I say? You don't seem excited. Let's put it that I'm not, way. I'm not super excited. It's just because it's, it's not a franchise that is one that I'm uh, well-versed in or, like, super stoked about. This week's Podcast Unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey. If you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's nordvpn.com slash U-N-L-O-C-K-D. And that'll give you four extra months on the two-year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Nordvpn.com slash unlocked without the E. 
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, Miranda, the elevator pitch for the original, which had had my ears perked up, was basically Left for Dead meets Mirror's Edge. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you had a chance to spend any time with it. I, I played... Five or six hours of it, of the first one, enjoyed it, and then I read the IGN review, and it's, the first one was, I guess, like a 30-hour game, and I just didn't want to do 30 hours of that, so Mm -hmm. I never ended up finishing it. Did you spend any time with the original? I did not. I think that was just, like, just after I had moved out here and, you know, getting settled and whatnot, so um, I did not get to play that, but I will say I am far more interested in this than I am in Far Cry. (laughs) Um, and just generally actually really excited about this game. I love games that have like strong faction systems. Uh, and I think the morality of these are really interesting too, because you essentially have like military cops over one corner. You have, um, former convicts and just like, like, uh, what's it called? Like the Mad Max people yeah. in another, like they're just, they're ready for chaos, but also the chaos in their way. And it's, it's kind of cool. I'm like, well, do I want to be bad for once? Uh, and then you have, like, the quote-unquote good guys, you could say, but they're like, oh, but are they good guys? And so it's like the civilian group who um, they sort of introduce of having a, a past of, like, historically helping a lot of people. And they're like, oh, we don't help any people anymore. They're just myths. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just very vaguely summarizing these different groups. But I do love that you have that sort of influence between those three. And you get to say, hey, I'm aligning with these, and they're going to have more power. Um, and then you also have the weapon system, which if you're watching, you can kind of see a little bit of that right now if you're listening. There's just all these, again, kind of coming back to something that I pointed out in Fire Cry that I liked, was that you have these very unique weapons, and I love to see that. Um, so what they're doing is they are trying to do different kinds of combat systems. So you have, like, leading into the parkour, fast-paced, melee, really quick weapons, jump in, jump out sort of deal. But then you can also just, like, get a big heavy weapon and just go you know, swing your hammer up at a bunch of different zombies which is neat and then of course um you have little traps you can set up and you have a bunch of like things that you can actually craft to go take those into combat and i like that versatility there and i'm interested to see how much it actually plays out and how well it works uh, i think oftentimes when you have a set of enemies and there's only so much variety that you have in them so say if you have like a, a just say like five or six main enemy types the best way to really make that experience feel more fun is rather than just, I guess, like over, over developing your enemy types is by giving you a lot of really neat ways to fight against them. And so that's what this feels like, because obviously there's going to be a lot of just like the grunt zombies, right? Like I, I better not come across a bunch of hordes of the big ones 
or else I will feel very overwhelmed and that's not fun. Um, so I think with this, it's like definitely giving you those options of like, how do you play with these different factions? How do you play with these different weapons to take on these zombies and how you get to survive? And of course there's the story element, but overall, it, I don't know. I just, this whole presentation was just very, very for me, it felt like it's like, this is the kind of world that I want to play around in and see how well I settle, I guess you could say. And doing it in December is going to be great, too, because I think that's usually when we don't have big things, as Ryan said earlier. However, we did have Cyberpunk in December last year, though that was because it got delayed into oblivion and then not delayed enough. And then, you know, <laughs> you know what happened there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, December games are interesting for sure. So I'm looking forward to this. It'll yeah. see. Go ahead, Destin. One aspect that you bring up that, that was interesting to me was the factions, because they're all sort of morally gray. None of them are just like the clear good guy. You know, and I, I kind of like that you have to make a really difficult decision about who you align with in, in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Miranda. Oh, I was going to say really quickly, one weird thing, though, is whenever you do have these zombie games, it always feels a little strange to have to murder other people because, like, people are, you know, limited. It's like, do I really want to kill the other people? But then you have to because of your resources because there are sometimes just bad people out there, too. And so I guess in this world you can just, you know, you gotta defend yourself and your your people so yeah you're, you're kind of selling me on it miranda not that i mean i was interested <laughs> in this game but i was i would say yeah. i was just more of kind of the middle of the road on it but yeah like i do love anything i, I don't know I, there's something about first person melee combat that i've always <laughs> liked in games going all the way back to here's i'm gonna i'm gonna go uh reach for the past here to an xbox cult classic breakdown for the four people in our audience who've ever played breakdown <laughs> Uh, it is that I have such fond memories. I love that game. It's in my top 10 original Xbox games ever for sure, even though nobody bought it, nobody played it. But uh, that was a great, that was one of the first real like first person games that just committed to first person melee stuff. And and so, yeah, I like that about the about Dying Light 1 and, and I, I like the possibilities here in 2. And yeah, you're right. The faction stuff's cool. Like, um, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which is a VR game for PC, did a really good job of that, where you could, you know, it was the same, you know, you had a zombie-infested world, and then there would be survivors, and, you know, you could take missions from one, and then, okay, well, do you want to double-cross that guy and go do something else? Or So there, there's that element to it. Although, that's making me think, uh, uh, provided that Dying Light 2 wouldn't make me throw up in vr this game would be awesome in vr wouldn't it <laughs> this game would be really cool doing oh, yeah. parkour stuff and first person melee combat in vr but um... i'm getting nauseous thinking about it sure. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, who knows i will say too one thing that i like more about this as well is the colors um i think a lot of times we're, we're seeing more of that standard zombie palette of just those gray murky black colors and this world is very overgrown and green and has like that vibrancy to it and you see like these little black lights um i'm not not sure what kind of actual lights they are but they like fend off the zombies and so you do get to see those really neat pops of color in there and it's not just bleak and i like that yeah no you're, you're totally right i mean first person shooters in the like late 90s early 2000s went through that where they were all just shades of gray and brown and yeah yeah it, it does it does those trends do seem to pop up from time to time i would say the one gray and brown game that can live in my heart forever is fallout 3 
Everything else has to move out of the way. <laughs> Get a different color palette. Yeah. It's claimed. <laughs> well, that's really like super mutants are kind of green. Uh, <laughs> and the ghouls. Well, uh, you know, Gears Gears Five Hive Busters, which we've we've talked up on this show before, went back when it came out around launch of the console. That does a great job of breaking out of Gears's normal color palette routines. So if you have all the new Gears too, like they do have those color palettes and they have life despite all the death too, and I love that. So uh, so yes, now two major games uh, that are that are both two major first person games penciled in for the holiday here far cry 6 on october 7th and then two months later december 7th for the aforementioned dying light 2 next up this week uh coke media which uh the parent company of of soon to be everything they're the one they own thq now they own all, all these little and that's that's even within embracer and that's a whole corporate thing but uh they're going to be doing a coke primetime gaming stream basically their own e3 showcase that's going to be on june 11th at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern so mark your calendar for that now just as a reminder we don't know what they're showing yet they own under their umbrella is Saints Row, Dead Island, sticking to the zombie theme, uh, the new Time Splitters that just got announced. Uh, that if actually I think that happened after last week's show, I think so. I don't think we've talked about that. So I guess the quick word there is the original members of the original Free Radical Design development team uh, have reformed under the Coke Media brand, who owns Time Splitters. And they're going to be doing a new Time Splitters, but they haven't even started development on that yet. So I don't think we'll be seeing anything on that at this e at this uh, E3 showcase. But they've also got, let's see, Homefront is under their banner, Maneater, Shenmue 3 was published by them, Hunt Showdown. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. So, I mean, what do you guys want to see? I'll start uh, with Miranda first. What would you want to see that these guys have uh, have under their umbrella? I'll quickly say that whenever I hear of Time Splitters, I think of Clock Stoppers, the 2002 movie that was real fun for teens back in the day, but n maybe not a good movie. <laughs> um, as far as what I want to see, oh man, I don't know, like I don't really, I always hated saying, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't play a lot of these games, so I just, I'm just curious to see what they have going on. Um, I did like Hunt Showdown, just kind of messing around there. Uh, Shenmue, I know a lot of people love those games, and I've been always curious as to why, so seeing more of that is always interesting, um, or of, like, those sorts of games, so, I don't know, it's just always interesting to see someone say, hey, we're doing a game stream, and I'm like, okay, alright, I want to see what you got, what kind of presentation thing. It's also weird, I think one thing that I've also really enjoyed seeing, which has nothing to do with the games themselves or who's doing it, but how they actually present the games what sort of information do you give us? Is it just a bunch of trailers? Uh, I think we're still in that space where we're trying to figure out what is the best way for us to get this news out from these um, publishers, right? And I think we're still trying to see who has like the best format. So I'm curious to see what they have going for this. So yeah. I apologize, it's not the best answer, but you know. No, it's you bring up a good point. Like even even pre-pandemic, publishers would keep they have been toying with the the format of these things for a while like even even sony with playstation they have changed formats over the years yeah. like the their last i think it was their last one because they didn't do e3 
in 2019 either before you know they did do a showcase later but what was uh so would it would it have been i think e3 2018 where they had that i think destin you were there right the one where you, they like you had to physically walk from place to place and there was this there were these weird interstitial host segments of uh yep. of people at a table and it was it was not great to watch is it is am i remembering this correctly i did not like it <laughs> <laughs> it was not not fun but yeah uh yep that's all i have to say about that well that's back, <laughs> back on topic to to coke media here and and what they've got going on yeah uh so like of of the games i'm just sort of looking through the games that they own the rights to the one that looks the most intriguing to me is Homefront, the revolution. Uh, the other ones, like I don't know. I feel like the the market sort of cornered for a GTA style game. Like GTA Online is still alive and thriving, so they would have to do something really, really unique with that property. I'm just fatigued by the zombie about genre. Row now? I'm sorry. Yeah, Saints Saints Row. I mean, Saints Row always went all uber humorous, right? Yeah. So I mean. I don't know how well their last game sold, but there's probably a reason we haven't seen another one. It has to be tied to that, right? Um, and then, yeah, just I'm fatigued on the zombie genre, and I think that's why Dying Light 2 isn't really doing it for me, but Far Cry is. So I'm like at the inverse of where Moran is at with the two. And uh, yeah, you, you know what's really funny, though? You brought up Dead Island 2. Yes. <laughs> and... Allegedly still in development. Yeah. Uh... You know what's really funny? I did capture for that game, and I have it somewhere on my computer right now. And uh, I watch it every once in a while just to know I'm not crazy and that <laughs> game was actually playable at one point at an event. <laughs> so, yeah, that could be a thing that happens, but I just think, like, I don't know when they would release it because now there's all their zombie games. And, uh, Ryan, what's the, the state of decay? It, yeah. Also, you know, we've only seen... We've only seen the CG version of that trailer. Of three, who knows what, yeah. when that's going to be revealed? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of competition. You got me thinking when you were talking when you were reminiscing about how long Dead Island Two has been out there. The I was trying to think like, have both State of Decay games been announced and released in the time that <laughs> that Dead Island Two has has been announced and in development? Like maybe, Oof. but um, quite yeah, possibly. I, We'll see what happens with Dead Island 2, if that's even still a thing. But I, I will... So I'm I'm respectfully on the other side of the coin as you on this one, Destin, and that is uh, I really do want to see a new Saints Row because we they have, they have like... Volitions confirmed that they're working on a new one. That they've, they've... I think they've tweeted it or something, or they have acknowledged that like they're in development on a new Saints Row. And I wonder if it's going to be... A reboot. I mean, that to me would make the most sense because, to your point, you you sort of alluded to how they've gotten you know kind of crazier and crazier as they've gone. They've, in my opinion, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with <laughs> tonally speaking, with Saints Row. Like, there's no possible way for them to get nuttier with it. Like, it's it would be prohibit not impossible, but prohibitively difficult to do. And for me, I know there's sort of uh, there's two camps in the saints row fandom of which i consider myself a part i i reviewed because i reviewed one two yeah i reviewed all i reviewed the first three for oxm and then i don't know if yeah did i do i don't know if i've done any for ign but anyway um one was a straight san andreas clone and it was a good clone it was a good game 
two was two took it a little funnier and it's like okay there was some neat co-op stuff in there it was really good and a lot of people that's their favorite but for me mm. i think it 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 has peaked thus far at saints row the third where it just really walked the line very well between being genuinely funny very tongue-in-cheek self-referential humor but also still a pretty legit grounded open world game and then four and get out of hell it just went off the deep end for me so i want to see where they take it in uh in the next generation and i i do hope it's a reboot so they can kind of just reset everything and set it wherever and however they want from a from a comedic perspective but but yeah mark your calendars june 11th the that's it'll be coming up very soon it's it's 10 days from right now, so E3 is right around the corner. We will, by the way, I guess while we're on the subject, we'll have a regular show for you always, uh, every Tuesday. That's We're not going to change that plan. But we will be, uh, we will be live here, this group, uh, along with Cam Hawkins, our friend, is going to join us for our live pre- and post-show for the Xbox E3 conference. Uh, which is which is on the calendar already as well. So there will be multiple. There will be a lot of chances for you to catch Unlocked, both live and our usual pre-recorded format here. So just keep the keep your browser, keep a bookmark on IGN one way or the other, and we will be here for you. All right, Destin, it's your yeah. time to shine now. It's, oh. it's it's Destin time. So yeah, negative Destin today, Ryan. For, <laughs> what oh, you, no. What's up? uh bungie their new project or at least a new project we don't know what they might how many things they might have going on over there but it's a multiplayer action game based on a job listing that per that same listing could have a character focus so new job position shows that bungie's looking to recruit a contract incubation sandbox designer to design combat systems for the studio's new game and it reads bungie is seeking a gameplay slash combat designer to contribute to a multiplayer action game currently in incubation. Uh, so this is suggesting that whatever the next game is, it's obviously multiplayer or has some kind of multiplayer functionality, uh, which is certainly no surprise. And then uh, under required skills for this listing, it says experience working on character-focused action games is not recommended, required. They want people who have done this stuff before. So, Destin, what do you think Bungie might be cooking up? Uh, how similar or different do you think it would be from Destiny? And and the, and, and I want to talk to both of you about the idea of whether a a, a hero shooter from Bungie is is something that's desirable, or or if you're fatigued on that sort of subgenre. So, Destin. Go ahead. Well, let's start with hero shooter. Uh, thanks, I hate it, is my response to the idea of a hero shooter. But let's go it on a limb and assume Bungie knows what they're doing. Maybe, and they're just going maybe, to make, right? At this yeah, point just, this just maybe. And it won't be as, as bad as we picture in our heads for hero shooters. Um, I imagine that it's not going to be like Destiny, because Destiny is based on playing a single-player campaign to unlock unique weaponry that you then take into PvP. And their whole PvP sandbox is an utter disaster right now because of stasis. Yep. And like people just are very upset about the, the stasis uh, subclass in Destiny. So one thing I think that they could do here is they could have a set number of weapons, uh, 
the hero the the shooter aspect the hero shooter aspect to not necessarily be um the way that we think of it where everybody has a unique class but maybe it's just different character types with a set number of weapons and then you go into pvp and just kill each other if it is a hero shooter i hope it's more along the lines of like say valorant or overwatch which is largely managed to balance those games quite well especially valorant and i i'm i'm interested to see what they have to offer and it's really really hard to guess what it could be based off of a a job listing but i know there's been all these photoshop of destiny characters <laughs> like going toe to toe with the destiny sandbox being so messed up in pvp right now this could be their opportunity to just be like make a really really well thought out well crafted pvp experience and uh, I, I have a lot of faith in Bungie for, for that aspect, assuming that there's not like 3,000 weapons that they have to balance for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, I'm, I'm an old man and I, just, I want a good narrative focused, story driven first person shooter like Halo. <laughs> but it's, I know it's, it's naive of me to even want that from Bungie because this, the entire studio is built to make these live service large scale long tail games so we'll see miranda what what uh what do you make of of the idea of of bungie getting into character focused action games i will take a hero shooter from bungie i will be the one to play it and i will be happy too um so <laughs> i know everyone's just like miranda but uh, but okay let me explain so as dustin was saying the pvp in destiny is a trash fire. I have long hated it before Stasis. I think the weapon balance is bad. I think there's just so much of it that's bad, which is such a shame because it's Bungie and their gunplay is so good. It's still so satisfying to play Destiny and I love doing that. So what if we just have them have a team that is solely focused on making a good PvP experience? I want that. I am here for that. I think aside from Respawn, who is like absolutely my favorite first person shooter developer, um, Bungie still has it. Like they are so good, and I would love to see them say, "All right, let's actually focus on developing something that is balanced, that does cater to those people who are really competitive, and does it in a way that's not so sloppy as Destiny." And I understand why it's so difficult for them to do that in Destiny. Like there's just, as Destiny was saying, way too many weapons. <laughs> there's too much. How do you keep the balance? How do you keep the balance with uh, all the player classes? And there's just, there's just so much they have to do, and I don't feel like they ever do it. All that well every time i play i just feel frustrated even if i'm rolling with the crew and we're like on however many long win streak it's still frustrating because it just doesn't feel great a lot of times um we could get into that some other day but um i would be very curious to see what bungie would do in like the setting i think we would get a really cool space setting and i really like where we have like with titanfall is like sort of that futuristic um but not but grounded future sort of feel to it it's, it is very alternate universe but again very futuristic we got that really cool tech and then destiny would take that with the space with aliens with all these other cool stuff and i would love to see what their vision for a hero shooter could look like so i think it's, it, there's still space for different kinds and i i would like to believe that bungie could come up with something that's really unique and fun yeah i mean you're right about their talent level i mean that's they've Jason Jones is still at the top of their their uh, org chart as far as creativity, and that's that is a person. Jason is a person who, as we know, he he hates giving interviews. He's a private, <laughs> reclusive guy, but 
you know, this is the this is the person that helped give birth to Halo and Marathon and and Destiny and uh, a lot of great stuff over the years. So yeah, it'll be it'd be really interesting to see them branch out to become a multi-game studio, which I guess they've Destiny they've never been before, right? They've never they are been now. Multi- I mean, but yeah, prior to this, well, no, yeah, actually, no. that's not true. I thought it they did have. I'm remembering now, uh, before anybody comments, I just remembered, they, for a brief window in time, they had a Bungie South studio not far from us in San Jose, California, that did Oni. So they, they were a two-team they two multi-project studio for a little while, but that's, uh, I think that's been it. Otherwise, you know, it was, it, was, it was Myth, it was Marathon, it was Halo, and only, you know, really one Halo at a time for them while they had it. It's... You know, just knowing Destiny really well, it's unfortunate that you bring up story because the story of the season is really good. But if you're a lapsed player, you also run into the problem. You're like, who are all these characters? What's happening? Yeah. You know, and they're in this weird spot where Destiny has like years of lore, like five, six years of lore that if if you're not well versed in, you jump into these these seasons. You're just like, I have no idea what's going on. How do I connect with with what's happening here? It can yeah. be really frustrating, too, because, like, if you're trying to get into the story with your friend, it's like, okay, well, you have to go find this quest first and then try to do this thing. Oh, it bugged out. Like, this literally happened to me. I was trying to play at the end of last season. They're like, oh, you have to do this thing. It's like, it's not popping up for me. It's like, oh, well, maybe change to your secondary character, then go to this terminal, yeah. and maybe it'll pop up. But then maybe go back to your first. Oh, it's not there. Okay, now go back to the terminal. It just, it can be a lot. And I think they're they're figuring things out, but there's still more to discover in this space. And I don't know, I believe in, I believe in Bungie. What if it's oh, a yeah. hero shooter? Because Miranda brought up a really great example of Apex. What if it's a hero shooter like Apex where there's all this lore intertwined with it? Would that be intriguing mm-hmm. to you, Ryan? Or do you just oh, want yeah. a story that you can play? I mean, yeah, again, because I'm, like, I'm, I'm not interested in a, first per, in, in a, in a game that's also a part-time job, which I feel <laughs> a lot of these games are. Again, that's my old man opinion. I know plenty of people love that, and I'm not taking that away from anyone. But yeah, I, I, I've said this before. I, I like my games these days like I like a good book, a, a solitary experience that has a definitive beginning and a definitive end, and, and I can, you know... Think about that and go back to it from time to time. And that's, again, I'm not taking anything away from the ongoing, like, live service stuff like Destiny, like a lot of other games. But I just, those don't appeal to me as much these days uh, as they as they once did. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's not to say that, you know, a game like Destiny can't have a great, I mean, I, you know, I played Destiny 1's entire story, which was disappointing. I mean, that, that story has been told many times. And, and Destiny's two story, which was better. So, um, yeah, I'll be curious what they do and and how they, you know, how they choose to sort of evolve not just the studio, but the, but, you know, they're not going to want to compete with themselves and make another game that's exactly like Destiny. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, they do have a lot of uh, techno technological infrastructure, like D- Destiny. Obviously, their engine, the the technology, their in house tech, is built to. To do what it does it's not to say it can't be adapted but it's yeah go ahead destiny 2 amazingly has held up really well it's still very pretty there's still really great you know art design and like they're <laughs> i know it's silly to say but their sky boxes are near unbeatable they're gorgeous they, always have been. they are gorgeous yeah. yeah yeah and they're like fantastic. their 
their world design like they have some incredibly talented artists on that team so i i'll be interested to see what they do with the hero shooter for sure if that's what it is <laughs> if that's what it is yeah i mean it's, yeah. you know we don't want to it's fun to speculate based off of a job description but you know we don't none of this is this is just that is is just that speculation so uh i i'm ready to be wowed bungie anytime anytime you're ready Next up this week, Crystal Dynamics, makers of, of course, both Tomb Raider and currently Marvel's Avengers, has formed a new studio to work on some uh, new stuff. It's out of Austin. They're going to call it Crystal Southwest. It's going to be headed by Dallas Dickinson, which, you know, I'm sure that that joke, Dallas probably never wants to hear the, oh, your name's Dallas and you live in Austin, huh? I'm sure that... You know, that's part of poor Dallas's daily life in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, uh, so uh, Dickinson was an executive producer at Crystal Dynamics for about two years. And prior to that, five years as the president and CEO of QC Games, which had, which had developed uh, an action RPG called Breach, which you may remember. And then QC, yeah, because QC was back in 2015 with some ex-Bioware people. So... Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, you know, it's, it's always nice to see a new studio pop up, and I know all the cool kids are moving to Austin. That's all I hear about is everybody's going to Austin. But, but the game development scene has actually been thriving in Austin for many, many years. Uh, there's, you know, Ion Storm was down there, Warren Spector and John Romero back in that that era, and uh, some of Sony's online MMOs when Sony was really heavy in like EverQuest and the MMO game. They had San Diego, but they had Austin. I think the Star Wars galaxy's team was in was in austin if i remember right and uh, ultima online origin was down there, there there's uh, there's been a lot of a lot of Arcane's gaming down there as well yeah yeah a lot of gaming yeah. development done in austin over the years so um yeah what do you guys think so is miranda you think this could be moving avengers long tail support over to them while the main crystal dynamics team spins up something new or maybe they're both going to do something new. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on this? You nailed it. I would say the former that they're probably spinning up a team that can just handle Avengers. Um, we've seen this happen a lot where a main team will be like, okay, we have done the core development on this. We are happy with what we have or are just ready to move on. And they will spin up a new team who can handle on um, keeping that game as a service alive. Like you have to have people who are ready to maintain it, fix bugs, create new content for it. Uh, so that would make the most sense to me. And I think we see a lot of that happen in Austin, weirdly. <laughs> Bioware, um, right? With, uh, yeah. They had taken it, Bioware Austin had taken over Anthem before they decided to shut it down. And um, I guess they they developed the Old Republic and supported it. There was no no handoff needed there. But yeah, you're right. Right. And it's not necessarily that like all the Austin teams are just, just support or like taking on the rest of old things. Like They, all, they do their own development, too, in that area. Um, having grown up in Texas, I will say too on your comment, people have been coming from California, Texas for a very long time. <laughs> I remember <laughs> going to high school and or just in grade school, so many people would be like, "Oh yeah, where are you from?" It's like, "Oh, I'm moving from California." It's like, "Wow, there's so many people." But I did the opposite. I moved to California. Um, you're, you're, Justin too. Yeah, you you forge your own path. You're not you're not yes. a follower. You're a leader. Yes. I did. I love the forty percent state tax. That's my favorite thing about California. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? well, that's no right. state tax in California. Texas. Yeah, taxes. Yeah. there's no state Texas. income tax in Texas. Yeah, mm. there's there's a lot, but no, Texas has a great like uh, video game scene. I think even in North Texas, which is where I was at, Destin, I think you were too. Um, there's Dallas. still quite a bit out there as well. 
your box is uh, up there and they're a publisher now so like that's one example off the top of my head oh, yeah I think it's up there it's, it's up software, there still right? yeah it yeah. and uh 3d realms mm -hmm. used to be there and yeah there's a whole uh there's there's a whole community for sure in the dallas area greater dallas area yeah absolutely um yeah cool good, good for that Austin. i want to see keep... what next sorry miranda no I, yeah I, I keep these handy but like you're not going to use this. Just give it to somebody else, please. Like for real. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so that's what like, Destin wants. If you're listening on audio, Destin is holding Soul up Reaver. copies of Legacy Soul of Reaver Kane. One and Soul Reaver what? Two. What is that? You know what? You Which... you can. Oh my goodness, Miranda! What even is you're that? breaking my heart. I didn't have PlayStation. It's, it's a my PlayStation game. Two is a Kingdom Hearts. It's on Xbox. I am not even joking. Also. If you're wondering why is Destin holding up Legacy of Cain? Uh, it's because that was what Crystal Dynamics did before they inherited Tomb Raider. So that is, Destin is uh, is doing that for very good reason. It's a beloved franchise that just nothing's happened with it in a very long time. And I would Can love we... to see them just remake it even, you know, like just retell what that story because it? it's a fantastic story. It's a story about um, uh, Raziel and, well, I, I want to call him Blood Omen, but the, oh, Kane, der. <laughs> and uh kane basically betrays raziel and it's their stories are interwoven with a time manipulation mechanic it's Ooh. it's uh puzzles with boss battles it's it's really really good and it was written by amy hedig so the whole oh. the whole thing it's just one of the best stories i've ever gotten to experience in in storytelling and the way that it crescendos is so well done and so unexpected i just i love it and i wish more people could get to experience it it's available in a lot of places for like dirt cheap like it's on good old games but there's like no controller support for it for example which is something i hope gets fixed it was on steam but it was pulled off steam so that got a lot of rumors going about the franchise coming back but sorry ryan to go off on a tangent no please every time we're going to talk about crystal, dynamics, crystal dynamics so yeah you're on oh, yeah it's relevant i'm like give me that legacy of king goodness please. uh consider consider me sold destin yeah yeah, I mean, Sounds you can cool. stop at Amy Hennig. I mean, she, yeah, I believe, yeah. <laughs> if memory serves, I think that might have been her first game. I think. Yeah. Not yeah. positive on that. I don't know off the top uh, of my head, but is she Canadian? I I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, I think I think Dennis I Dyack also worked on that game. That was, yeah, that was... I think Dennis Dyack created it and Amy Hennig wrote it. That sounds I know right. she, was, she was like the writer for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to remember the origin of the franchise. Yeah, and in fact, the last time I was at Crystal Dynamics, which was a long time ago, I guess that would have been for Rise of the Tomb Raider, since Shadow mm -hmm. was done in Montreal. They still have like big posters and uh, of Legacy of Kane on the walls, and like it's definitely a part of that studio's beloved culture. Like they, they, it's not that they've swept it under the rug and try to forget about it because of Tomb Raider. Like quite the opposite, they've uh, they remain pretty proud of of that series. I feel like it could be modernized and just brought up to date and still tell a fantastic story. I'm I'm really surprised that that IP just went away. You're telling me vampires are never popular. They're popular all the time, you know? Yeah. But we got 15 zombie games this year. Yay. <laughs> tell us how you it's really feel, way. Destin. Yeah. I mean, oh, and here, let me, I'll throw one more on the pile for you, Destin. Uh, just, and this is relevant to our audience anyway. If you own Watch Dogs Legion, the new update adds a new mode called Watchdogs Legion of the Dead, and it turns it into a zombie battling roguelite. So there you go, yep. Dustin. 
Another zombie. Can't forget Call, for of, Call of Duty Zombies. Call it the every one that started game. it all. Super I feel fun. like yeah, every every game that that adds zombies has uh definitely has Treyarch to to thank for that one. <laughs> it seems like. But you know, hey, I'm all I like it when it's when it's done well, which usually I like when it's a curveball and it's just something new, but anyway, bring me State of Decay 3. I hope we see that at E3. Yeah. I, really I love hope State of Decay. Yeah. Um yeah, so I, they, good. They got a lot of guff for the CG trailer. People want to see gameplay of that though, really bad. Yeah, and they'll, and they'll get there. And I hopefully this is going to mm. be the E3 for it. It's just I love the first game so much, warts and me all. Too. Mm-hmm. The second game I don't love as much, even though they've done a ton of work on it over the years, and I know it's it's a heck of a lot better than it was at launch, which is when I played it. But I I don't cut the second one as much slack because they had more of a time, more of a budget, and it was still a kind of a technical mess. So I really hope that for State of Decay 3, they're finally able to just put the production level and polish onto it that that in just amazing concept so badly deserves just this this zombie like survival it's really an rpg more than anything it's not mm-hmm. it's not an open world game i mean it is it's set in an open world but it's not look like collectathon stuff that that miranda was lamenting earlier on the show it is it is a game about like managing your relationships with other survivors and you know because you have strength in numbers it's us if you have not played State of Decay, go on to Game Pass, do yourself a favor, thank us later. All right. For real, it's so fun. So good. We're getting off topic. Um, I want to mention real quick, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which we are still waiting on on Xbox, of course. It was it was uh, confirmed for console release back at the Game Awards in December, so we're now, we're at six months. Uh, we're, we're It's been six months, and, and there hasn't been a peep about it since then. Um, I think the trailer we're watching is the Xbox version from the Game Awards. But the reason I bring this up is because the PC version's 1.16.2 update, sure it adds fixes, but the reason I think it's relevant to the Xbox version, if you have not already played the game and you're waiting for the console version, which by the way, it does look like this is only going to be available on the, the Xbox series, XRS, does not appear to be coming to Xbox One per the end of that trailer where it did not say Xbox One. It only said Xbox Series. So what they've done with this update is cut uh, what was a 170 gigabyte install in half, down to 83 gigs. And I think I wanted to bring that up because I have to imagine that, yes, they did that for their PC players, but I've got to imagine that was done also largely in part to prepare for the Xbox release because, you know, what do we have, Destin? 800 and how many usable gigs of hard yeah, drive space? somewhere in there. Yeah, sounds it's right. something, right? So, sure. you know, even at 83 gigs, it's still going to take up 10% of your drive, but better that than 20-plus percent of your entire Xbox Series X hard drive in one go. So um, just kind of mentioning that again. I... I'm not, I guess this is pure speculation on my part. I don't know what the file size is going to be of the Series X version, but I can't. I just have to imagine that these two things are connected. This game is gorgeous. I really want to see how good it looks on console. I can't wait to do a graphics comparison for it. Oh, see, like, like, 
how does it scale? Does it scale well, you know, to the Series X? Does it does it compete with the the PC version? I I played a decent chunk of it on PC and it's just cool flying around all over the world. Anywhere you want to go, you just load up an airport near there and you're flying around. I flew all I flew into my apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, into like that was one of the first apartment? things I like, did. That's not good. Yeah, I, I, well, I, the houses look like crap when you get that close, but like it was fun to do, you know. And like, just look at this footage. The game is gorgeous. It's it really shows what's possible with with you know Xbox properties, and especially with their their sky and their weather system with the clouds. My goodness, yeah, uh, yeah. People are in yeah. for a treat. It's it is stunning, and I'm with you. And I would imagine, uh, you know, while we're talking about E3 coming up, I would have to guess that we'll get I mean this is a game that is already out on PC obviously but I I'm, I'm going to guess that we'll get a new Xbox Series X gameplay trailer with a firm release date on it for this right like is if it if especially if they had said summer it's got to be mm-hmm. time right they're we got to see that at E3 yeah, yeah absolutely yeah for sure the really exciting thing Ryan is that all Phil Spencer has talked about multiple times like during the Bethesda thing all the companies working together like id tech work working with uh the halo team i have to imagine like you remember when sea of thieves water went into the forts of franchise now they have this sky system that they could bring into other properties like maybe that gets added and their games just are going to get prettier and prettier uh hellblade just released the demo of their sky system actually they did what they're oh, doing there that. for hellblade too <laughs> it was just a tweet but uh it's it's really really neat and I, over the weekend i also hopped in the unreal 5 engine because i'm a dork and uh, the nanite, the, the power of what nanite's going to be able to do for designers in Unreal Five is just super, super interesting and uh, fun to sort of toy around with. And that we there are there are some first party Xbox games using Unreal, uh, notably what you just mentioned, Destin, Hellblade Two. Yeah, Hellblade Two, and we've seen the what they've done just with the character animation in that game, and now we're getting small teases of what they've been doing. I have to wonder if that's going to be showcased also. I can't I can't wait to see whatever they're bringing to E3. Yes, agreed. All right, we are about out of time. We want to get to the loot box and get to the trivia. But first, let me mention both the new Game Pass games for June. So we've got Wild at Heart for the cloud. That's, that's you can stream that one. So Miranda, you, so you're fun. fond of this video game? Yeah, I've been playing that um, this past weekend and just for fun. Um, but quick mention that it is published by Humble Bundle, which is part of our parent company's owning. So just... So you know that it's published by Humble Bundle. But if you get on Game Pass, it doesn't matter because you're already paying for it. Um, but that's been just a joy. It's like Pikmin, but not more pleasant, weirdly enough. More very pleasant than Pikmin? That's, yeah, I mean, because that's, that's high praise. They have, well, I guess more pleasant in that the way your little buddies die is not as harsh as what happens in Pikmin, I would say. So that's what i would say i feel very responsible when one of my little buddies died even in like something like halo when a marine dies like i'm so sorry i tried it was my job to protect you but anyway that's been great i'll call your next of kin i'll tell them (laughs) uh so the wild at heart which gets the miranda sanchez seal of approval playable through xcloud and then for honor on both xcloud and the console as well that's a big game it's been around for a little while but hey there's a ton of content in in that as well if you need your medieval melee fighting fix, get that going. And then next week, the week of June 7th, Backbone on PC. So not on the console, but if you've uh, if you've got a decent gaming PC, Backbone which uh, that's a that's a Ryan kind of game. It is a 
It is an old school pixel art adventure game where you play a uh, an anthropomorphic talking raccoon. So it's kind of got some. Uh, it's kind of got some. Um, what's the tales? Not tales of the Borderlands. The other one. The other awesome Telltale game that I love. Oh, based on um, fables. Why yes. am I blanking on the name of it? With the detective. Be. Help me. Wolf Among Us. Well, Wolf Thank Among you. Us. Thank you. Thank you to our super producer. The Wolf Among Us. Anyway, uh, Backbone. As I feel like Backbone is just an elaborate dig at my controller setup. Just, I feel like somebody listened to Unlocked, just... and they're like, we got to put Backbone on the games list just to rub it in. Oh, man. That'll show them. Well, Backbone the game, and then, yeah, <laughs> Destin needs to get Backbone the accessory. Me too. And then, uh, as well, Darkest Dungeon on xCloud, console, and PC. So everywhere Game Pass is next week, so will Darkest Dungeon be as well. And then finally, Games with Gold for June. Destin, Injustice, Gods Among Us. Play it. King, go ahead. Play it. Play it. Simple as <laughs> just that. Just put it on yes. the easy, like, if you, it's just a fun story. Like, the concept is that Superman's a murderer and takes over the world. So it happens in the first five minutes of the game. If that doesn't get your bat ears perked up, then I don't know what will. But it's, it's very fun. It has a really, really good combat system. I love Injustice 1. I love Injustice 2. Really, really solid game. I highly recommend just play. it's free just play it i'm i'm gonna download it so i have a digital copy just ready to go good call absolutely and there in fact isn't wb adapting it to like a dc animated film now yes i believe you're correct yeah. i think they are gonna make it into a film that should be good play the game and then the king's bird shadows awakening and neo geo battle coliseum all coming at various points throughout the month all right, time for the loot box. Our question, remember, you can be a part of Unlocked. We can feature you here as we're about to do with Al right now. So just tweet me your video loot box question, just an Xbox general question for discussion here on the panel. Tag me on the tweet so that I see it. And my Twitter is at DMC underscore Ryan. So Al talking FPS boost, take it away, Al. Hey, Podcast Unlocked. Uh, so the backwards compatibility crew at Xbox has been hard at work with making a lot of compatible games, their first-party games, uh, some from Ubisoft and from EA, all to have these better uh, frame rates. So we've seen doubling from 30 to 60 or even from 60 to 120. Uh, do you think that this deviation in what they're doing means that we won't see any any new backwards compatibility titles added to the service in the future? Thank you very much, Al. All right. Miranda, what do you think? FPS boost moving forward? What's is that, that going to be a limiting factor here? I think right now the focus on FPS boost makes a lot of sense. We did just get two new consoles that can do really impressive, um, you know, graphical things and like frame rates. You you really want to show those off, right? And so it it's understandable that they would want to focus on that. So well, we may not necessarily always have a ton of new games. We do have a lot of backwards compatibility and new. Um, boosted games that we can keep on playing so uh, i think they just wanted to be like hey here's a lot of options for you to try these old games you loved that you can try with a new boost and i think that's great i, I don't think that means that they won't add new uh backwards compatible games though like that that they'll just stop the process of that i think maybe it's just a different focus for right now Justin. Yeah, you know what's really interesting i'm looking through all these lists and so many of them have actually been added so I would actually say no. I don't think that they're done. 
I think there's some contractual obligations like with X-Men Legends where it probably just won't be able to happen. Um, but no, I, I don't think they're done. Like we just got Skyrim and that wasn't on the list a few years ago. So um, yeah, and I think that was before the Bethesda deal was done. So I have to imagine they're still going to be adding backwards compatible games to the list. And uh, there's a lot of good ones that are still on the table. So that's my answer. Thank you for sending in the question. Yeah, I, Al, I do feel like I'll, I'll sort of mostly agree. I, I do think that the team's focus clearly has been on FPS boost to Miranda's point. But yeah, it's it's not to say that they won't come back around to adding some new games. I, I do think they've hit most of the big ones from the from the 360, certainly. And obviously, almost everything from Xbox One is there. I'd love to see them go back and do some more original Xbox games. But to Destin's point, there's a lot, a lot of just legal hassles with that. I remember mm. when, when I went up to do the story for IGN on the compatibility team back when they were first adding original Xbox stuff, they were telling me about how a lot of those contracts were were paper contracts, as you're talking about 2001, 2002. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and a lot of those companies don't exist, like Majesco, gone. They don't exist. Um, so some of those publishers are just gone. Some of the rights have transferred or expired so it does get complicated but overall yeah i would still like to see some more original xbox stuff particularly but but yeah al i would not give up on on new games being added at all and again, i'll bring some yeah yeah Go. sorry ryan i thought you were ahead i'll bring some i'll bring up an interesting correlation it's uh so first of all the 120 fps additions don't seem like they're tremendously difficult to add i think that's usually just xbox saying hey can we add that feature to your game and then uh, they send them the code or whatever they need to, to, to implement it, and then it's it's done. It, it's it's easier than I, I I think it's easier anyway, based on what I've read. And I don't think it would come at the expense of adding backwards compatible tiles. It's not an either or thing, you know. Things can happen in parallel, is what I'm saying. Yeah, very true, very true. So we remain optimistic on this one. Is the point, uh, Al? Thank you so much. And again, everybody out there. I need more good loot box questions. I keep a little stash of them in a Word document with links to your tweets, so keep them coming. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, please try to keep your question to a minute or less, which so far everybody's been really great about doing. Time for Unlock Block Trivia. Let me pull up the score here as we are going to hear from Brock from Ontario, Canada. And the scoring, here's where we're at. Miranda, five points, out in front. Destin with just a pathetic... Pretty pathetic two points. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think I have three. I gotta Let's go watch the tape. <laughs> if you can show me the receipts, I will happily credit you back a point if I've somehow missed one. But help me out. Anyway, the point is, Destin needs points, so we'll see how he does here. But it won't matter if Miranda also gets it right and stays out in front. Brock from Ontario asks, which of the following Microsoft published games? has not yet appeared on Xbox Game Pass. This was a good one. I had to think very long and hard about this. So is it Fusion Frenzy? Is it Minecraft? Is it Quantum Break? Or is it Cuphead? I'm gonna go, well, Destin's trailing, so I'm gonna go Destin's way first here. Great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know the answer. I'm gonna go D Cuphead. I don't okay. know. All right, Cuphead's an interesting choice. Miranda? I'm going to keep it spicy, and I'm going to go B, Minecraft. All right. 
Thank you for mentioning Fusion Frenzy, Brock. You're great. You're great. <laughs> but what if Fusion Frenzy is the right answer? Then he's not just mentioning it. Then it's the actual right answer. But I would know this one. I would know this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, he, he did just mention it. It's not the correct answer. Uh, but no, Minecraft's definitely already on there. That's how my daughter plays okay. Minecraft, just through Game Pass. Destin has scored the point. It is Cuphead. Yes! <laughs> I was Yeah, Minecraft and Cuphead, I was like, it'd be weird, but that would be notable if it hadn't been. And I was like, I know I saw Minecraft Dungeon on there, but I don't remember if I saw Minecraft on it. And so I was one like, the, that would be a weird one. One of the Microsoft reward challenges was to like turn on Minecraft last week. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only reason I knew. Yeah, and, I uh, knew it wasn't Quantum Break for sure. So I was like, it's either Minecraft or Cuphead mm -hmm. and I'll just keep it different. So I saw people right. tweeting about Quantum Break and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw people saying they play that on Game Pass. Oh no, oh. yeah, I definitely saw it on Game Pass. Good job, Destin and Brock. Excellent question. Thank you for sending that in. Send in your Xbox trivia question to me via email, and that email address is unlocked at IGN.com. Include your question, include four multiple choice answers, and please note the correct answer in your email, and uh, your, your question might be featured on an upcoming episode of Podcast Unlocked. With that, it is time for the three of us to hit the road here, get back to our general IGN duties they call as they do every single day uh i guess i'll start real quick i'm at dmc underscore ryan once again on twitter uh i don't know what i have going on on ign so i'll just leave it at that come just come hang out on ign we got so much e3 stuff coming up that uh there's too much to mention so that's that miranda you can find me at havoc gross on havoc with a k on instagram twitch twitter all those places um, yeah, also mostly just focused on E3 things, so come hang out on IGN. And of course, use our guides as always, if you don't mind. Thank you. Destin, bring us home. Yeah, so for IGN, I'm anxiously catching up on many projects that I'm getting nervous about. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, you can check me out over on youtube.com slash the Destin channel. I'm going to shamelessly plug it this week. Uh, all June, I am uh, I'm working to raise a little bit of money for St. Jude Children's Hospital. And uh, that's just a, a personal thing that I'm doing for no particular reason. I just wanted to do something this June to sort of give back for all the, the kind words and, and views. <laughs> Fantastic. Love it. Well, for Destin and Miranda, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 497 uh, next week. Actually, I guess we're going to have to do our E3 predictions next week. We've, we've oh. been holding off. Next week's the time. So, you know, people, I get asked about that a lot on Twitter. Like, what are you guys doing your E3 predictions? So, next week, episode 498, it's time. So, stay tuned for that. Until then, happy, happy gaming. We'll see you next time. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with Calm Conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.